Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is named in honor of your journey through humanity. Your behavior is a tattletale, and your stupidity is evidence. But I don't think I'm saying that this is always the case in all of your decisions. But what I am alluding to is that we all have patterns of behavior that reveal something in our life that must be changed, must be dealt with by you and God. Let's thank Peter and John for their contribution to this story, shall we? We all have behavioral and self-assessment blind spots. Otherwise, daytime TV would not exist. We all have stupid moments where we do something or say something or wish something or pray something. We wish we didn't. Nobody is exempt from stupid. This doesn't mean you are stupid, unless of course you think this message doesn't apply to you. It just means we sometimes manifest stupidity, and we don't always see it. I mean, didn't Peter know that Peter doesn't need you to defend him? And I'm not picking on this guy. In fact, I like Peter because he's actually a really cool Bible dude. Remember, he did cut off the ear of a soldier who was coming for his teacher. If you look at the four gospel writers, you will see something worth departing for. In Matthew 26:51, it states, And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. In Mark 14:47, it states, And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And in Luke 22:50, we see, And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his right ear. So now if we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of Peter's attempting to protect God in the garden, we do notice that they all used discretion when recounting the incident. No bus on the garden story, right? But now with John, it was different. Now we know that Peter and John had issues with one another for a minute. You can see that in Matthew 18, 22, and John 21, 21, 22. John 18, 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malachus. You see, John had no problem placing Peter in a bizarre situation. And it was uncomfortable for Peter because he thought he was acting as a hero in the story. I mean, if you got in a fight to protect your younger brother from a bully and you broke the bully's nose, but then your younger brother rebukes you and heals the bully's nose, wouldn't that just be a little awkward? I mean, hello, Peter. He sliced off an ear with an archaic weapon. What kind of accuracy Peter must have had not to take the whole face with it? And so John didn't know that many, many people would be reading this account of Peter. You see, we all do stupid stuff. And interestingly enough, it was John who again sets Peter up for a fine rebuking from Jesus. You know, the one in whom Jesus loves. And at some point, tasked him to take care of his own mother. John 19, 26, 27. Yes, that guy. John 21, 21 through 23. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. And Jesus assigned John to dictate the book of Revelation in spite of John's issues with Peter. But don't think for a minute that Jesus wasn't paying attention to this internal conflict with his life group. Look at what he had the Holy Spirit inspire John to write. In John 13, 34-35 it states, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In John 15:12-13 it states, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. In 1 John 3:11 it states, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
in 1 John 3:16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In 1 John 2, 5, 6, it states, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In John 2, 9 through 11, it states, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What? You don't think John wasn't thinking about his relationship with Peter as he was writing these verses down? Of course he was. This was the intent of Jesus, and that is that John knew what love is. Look at the books John was tasked to write. The Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, the only book actually written by Jesus. Each of these books, in and of themselves, reflect a deep, deep revelation John had received in his ministry in spite of his initial lack of love for Peter. What he initially reported to Peter was John's evidence of stupidity. Matthew used the words love or loved approximately 11 times, Mark 6 times, and Luke 13 times, but John 59 times. And this doesn't include the other books John wrote. So is it any wonder why Jesus had John so loved focused? So we see that John's stories referencing his friend Peter tells us not only something of Peter, but also, and of equal importance, they tell us something of John. Matthew 26:35. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Matthew 26:75. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Funny, but it was John who also shows us that Jesus had restored Peter, and perhaps even their relationship with one another. But then again, who wouldn't be changed after writing the book of John? In John 21, 15, 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. If you were tasked to write a letter or an epistle for the Bible, what hidden lesson would be included in the story that addresses a moment of stupidity that you have? Yes, what Peter did wasn't only just a little shocking after his declaration of death over denial, but Jesus also restored Peter. What a God we serve whose eyes are on the whole world going to and fro. Nothing is hidden from our Lord. And stupidity is an opportunity for Jesus to move into action on your behalf. So now it would seem a great place to end the message, right? I mean, we have an example, although far removed, of two people saying and doing stupid things. Their behavior and writings tattled on them. But so what about us? After all, we have progressed oh so much further and beyond the barbaric age, haven't we? I mean, we must have had several billion hours of training on how to behave as humans, right? We have thousands of laws dictating acceptable behavior, and millions of people to hold us to them. So with all of this going for us, you would think stupidity no longer exists, right? That we have a lid on it. We tow the line until we have a box. Then we jump in it, right? But it has been my stupid doings and sayings, and the witness thereof from other people's acts and confessions that stupidity is alive and well. If people say the brain has evolved over time, I would say that our behavior tells us another story. 
if they say, but we have advanced so much, and because of these advancements we are better off. Again, I would say that human behavior today is no less barbaric and stupid as it was back in the day. Look, if we don't own it, we sell it or attribute it to someone else. We deflect our own stupidity as if no one else notices what we are doing. America is in a quandarious situation these days. One comparison that we are no different today than they were 2,000 years ago is this one action and activity. Back in the day there are some who still practice this horrible religious practice, would offer up their own child to a false or made-up god. Yep, they would kill their own children for rain or crops or whatever. We not only do that exponentially more than they did back in the day, but we have created laws protecting the practice. Yep. Thus we remain stupid and equally, if not more so, very barbaric. Their justification was and is, water and crops, ours, is. Well, you know the truth in your own heart as to why this happens, and it doesn't even come close to a request for food and water. Now, if this was or is you, I do not judge you. Not at all. Nope, this is as much a message about my stupidity as it is about yours. My job is to teach and to hope and pray it makes a difference in your life personally. I'm not here to change the hearts of the unchangeable. Yes, there are ways more people who are unchangeable than there are who are changeable. Now if everyone who is within ear and eyeshot of this message hears and sees what I'm saying, and they change, then I am wrong about people and have underestimated humanity. Prove me wrong. Well, that's it for today. I hope this was helpful and that it grounds us to our humanity. But most important is that what I want you to see is the hidden but obvious messages in the Bible. Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we already have a preconceived idea as to what it is saying. But as I myself am learning, there are stories within the stories within the stories. This is why we must be miners of the Word of God. You can read Proverbs 2, 1 through 12 for more on this. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy, creating space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.